From the east side to the west, this is From the Land, the Cleveland Sports and More podcast. I'm your host, Jason Gerber, and tonight we stay in the land to talk a bummer of a week for the Cavs, baseball creeping closer, and a new Browns coach. We head out on the road for the NFL playoffs, and we go off the field and behind the wheel for From the Land, Drive All Night. I'm joined tonight by two of the best ever. My co-hosts, Phil Danko and Chuck Rambaldo are here. Fellas, I know there's snow on the ground, but can you smell the fresh cut grass of spring training yet? No, no, I can't. (laughs) I want to, (laughs) but I cannot. No, it's mostly just snud up here. It's like that snow mud mix, like dirty snow. Yeah, so I, I I can't smell spring training or grass yet, but I'd love to. Is snud like an eerie term? Because I've never heard that before. Yeah, you know how like if you get a lot of well, you get a lot of snow where you're at, Herb. So like once it's plowed and on the side of the road, and then all of a sudden that those mounds just start turning that brownish color. We just call it snud. All right. Well, sorry about the snud, but baseball is <laughs> a lot closer than you think. But we're gonna get to it. We'll start at home. Start with our sip of wine and gold. Our weekly Cavs recap. Superstar week was a fucking bust. <laughs> Cavs lost a close but awesome game against the Grizzlies on Wednesday night. Looked fucking terrible in a loss to the Warriors JV team on Friday and secured a nice fucking win over the Bucks, who played without Giannis on Saturday. Cavs finished the week 29 and 19, all alone in the five seed in the East. Scale of one to five, one being Loft 2015 California Sauvignon Blanc. Smells like a cheap candle, tastes like a cheap candle. <laughs> Five being Drawbridge Pinot Noir from CLE Urban Winery at Cedar and Lee. How would you rate the Cavs last week? First off, I'm I'm happy that you're saying fuck like almost every other word to start the show. I like <laughs> I like that we're coming. That's how I feel. Out swinging. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it like a 1.5. Tastes kind of like a candle. So it was it was just an overall shit week when you look at and especially that warrior game i'm gonna stick on that one so i'm gonna i'm gonna, I'm gonna put them at a one and a half well in some respects it met our expectations because last week we said they'd go one and two in those three games but having witnessed those three games and the way it went down you can't help but feel like i'm sucking on candle juice here so i'm gonna i'm gonna put it at like a yeah i think a one and a half i'll, I'll give them a, a nudge up from that a one and a half because of the way it turned out, and if it wasn't for Mobley's taking over the game yesterday, I I don't know that they would have had a win. I think it's funny that you went with candle juice because I felt like I was like biting the candle because I'm at the end of the scale too. I'm not sure how you taste a candle. It's wine. Wine. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I guess maybe you're right. I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm at about a two, and the only reason I'm that high is because that game Wednesday night against the Grizzlies was so exciting. Such a great basketball game back and forth all night. And yeah, they didn't get it done, but that's a hell of a way to play a good team on the road. After that, I don't know. It's pretty disappointing. You know, we didn't think when we looked at this last week that the Warriors were going to sit all their good players and we weren't going to be able to get a win. Pretty disappointing all around. I guess a win over the Bucks is great, but, you know, to do it when they're shorthanded again, not that much to get excited about last week. Pretty pretty bad week overall. I watched that whole Warriors game, and the Cavs looked terrible. 
They came out flat, tried to turn it on a little bit too late in the fourth quarter. That's kind of becoming their thing. Fairly or unfairly, if your team comes out looking unprepared or unmotivated, I think you put some of that on the coach. So not necessarily just the Warriors game, but the course of the season. Have your thoughts on J.B. Bickerstaff as the long-term coach of this team changed at all? Uh, no. And and here's why. I've never really put too much value in the head coach of an NBA team, to be honest. Um, I say that because so many of our recent years in Cleveland, you had a LeBron James. And I felt like you had to get a coach that could just let LeBron be LeBron. And that's a weird dynamic in the NBA, right? That exists on a few teams. So finally, we have a team built the right way. So I wanted, you know, I want a coach that that has the locker room, I guess, that these these guys respect and want to play hard for. And we saw that all last year. This year, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt just because it is such a change, a dynamic change to add a Donovan Mitchell to this lineup. And they've been really good this year and exciting, but they're still, we say this every week, it almost sounds like, and eventually they, they better find it. They're still searching for their identity. And, and, and it, it's strange to say that. I'll give JB a, a, the benefit of the doubt. I don't feel... I, I I didn't come into the season with much of a feeling about JB. I like him. Seems like he he you know he gets he gets pissed off and he has his players back. That's good to see on the sideline, right? He's mad a lot. He's a mad lot. a lot during the games. <laughs> yeah, like he's a lot. If you ever look at the like the fans behind him in the crowd when he's like yelling at the official, they're all like laughing. Like you know he's like saying something really funny, but yeah. he's he's angry. He's angry quite a bit. Um, and I'll expand. I think a little bit on Phil's point. You know, our, growing up, that team, that cast team was built the right way. Lenny Wilkins was a hell of a coach. Fertello was a hell of a coach. David Blatt, hell of a coach. Oh. But, <laughs> but ultimately, if I look at it this week, I think coaches are just kind of like players. Sometimes they have off weeks. And if I look at it this week in that Grizzly game, you know, it was exciting. It was great. But maybe they should have called a timeout at the end of that game and set something right. up, you know. Uh, and then and then again, you know, that Warrior game, I think I, I said – Last year, I think that maybe he's he reminds me a lot like of Tito. He's he's probably the perfect guy for this roster, but that roster has changed. Uh, and I'm not saying that I think he's a bad coach. I just think he had a, he had a bad week. Uh, is he the guy? I hope he's the guy. I, I like what he does, but it's just uh, there, there's times where I go, oh, and, and I'm not a huge basketball dude, but I probably would have called the timeout against that Grizzly game at <laughs> the end, and and maybe yeah. he had something a little better in store, but. And it's just a, it's a tough week for him, just like players have tough weeks. How about a timeout on the inbound play? That, yeah, that they didn't get in. Sure. You know, like hey, how about yeah. that? Yeah. I, my first defense to him when that happened was that seemed like the fastest five count I've ever seen in an NBA game. I couldn't believe that they called that. They called that in that situation. But I think I look at JB, and he was a guy that I think last year. Like Phil was saying, like, oh, this guy's perfect. He has found a way to get all these young guys to focus on team basketball and good defense. That's amazing. And it just doesn't seem to be working as well this year. And I wonder some about a situation like in Golden State where Mark Jackson was a coach that kind of built the Warriors, but they had to move on from him and bring in Steve Kerr to take that next big step. And is JB maybe a great coach to kind of put this team together and mold them together, but maybe there's somebody else who's got to come in and really take them to another level. I don't know. Probably 
100% certainly true that it's way too early to talk about firing JB when, you know, they're the five seed in the East. Exactly, exactly. That's the thing. It's You can't go on Twitter and not find a bunch of people saying, oh, we got to get rid of this guy. I'm like, all right, maybe it's maybe it's too soon for that. Maybe Chuck's right. Maybe it's just kind of like a bad week for him too. Wouldn't you guys like to see them start every game with a little bit more urgency than maybe we've seen over the last month absolutely and isn't that yeah, on um, yeah. am, am i wrong that i mean you, you know feel free to tell me if i'm wrong am i wrong that that's on the coach yeah no i, I think you're right ultimately yeah like if anybody's struggling or any team's struggling of course he could put on a coach and i think there's there's plenty of times we've seen this season where maybe he's he's done something like i don't know about that but again like this this roster is different this year with donovan mitchell and you think it would make it easier uh, but but maybe it hasn't, you know, maybe it hasn't. And then and Rubio comes back and people are getting healthy and love's probably hurt or love's probably gone. And this roster is probably going to change before the deadline again. Uh, but I'm with you. I just don't know. Like if, if you tell me there's somebody better out there who could take this team to the next level, I like JB, but I'm all for that guy. Right. Cause I, I want to see it win, but who's out there? Oh, it's Phil Jackson. Yeah, of course. Oh God. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> No, like, I, you're right. I don't know who it's like, listen, I knew Joe Woods had to go, but I didn't know who was going to be a yeah, good replacement right. for him. <laughs> Am I wrong that putting some of the way they've approached games for the last month on JB? I don't think you're wrong. I, I agree with the, the way the game starts. It, it almost seems like the rut they've gotten into of late is before you know it, we're down eight to 10 points in the first quarter and it's an NBA game. That doesn't matter at all, but like, why can't we be that team that's up 10, nothing before the other team gets their first bucket, right? We've got so much talent up and down this roster. What is that? Where, Where is the urgency there? Where, or where is the, maybe what we need for the Cavs is this scripted Stefanski plays in the first quarter where they just come out (laughs) and no matter what, we're just going to pick and roll this team to death because we're going to win the first quarter. And then after that, we let the the talent take over. Maybe that's what they need. Genius. Yeah. Thank you, Phil, for solving that. What the Cavs need is more Kevin Stefanski. I I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Tell me, Am I on to something or am I on something? Am I panicking when I shouldn't be? Am I just being scared? Are the Cavs starting to look like they might be a play-in team this year? No, no, you're you're scared or panicking when you shouldn't be. The Celtics are kind of separating themselves from the pack a little bit right now, but the East is so bunched up after that. I think what coming into recording time tonight, they were in the fifth spot, but half a game out of the fourth spot and only two games out of the second spot. So I think get this team healthy, get this team rolling. If it's a, I will say this, if it's a playing team at the end, that's a, that's a huge disappointment. And JB Stefanski Bickerstaff's got to go. I love it when we combine people into one. That's going to become one of my favorite things. Chuck, what do you think? I don't think you're panicking. I think you're on to something. And I, I think when we did the season preview, I said, this is probably a play-in team. And this team is a lot like our Guardians. They are ahead of schedule. And I think we're taking that for granted. Like they're building a team still, but they're being really successful while it's happening. I think this team's a little bit ahead of schedule here. So I think they're a play-in team and, and that's fine. Uh, because if they're playing really good basketball at that point, they become a really dangerous team. But yes, the, the East is bunched up and, and teams like the Knicks are starting to make runs now and look like a much better team. So who knows? If Even if they don't separate, they can still be a play-in team and have a really great record. 
I'm going to statistically prove to you that Chuck and I are wrong. In the last 25 games, the Cavs are 14 and 11. That's a 56% winning percentage. If they keep that up for the rest of the season, they'll get to 46 wins, which would have made them the sixth seed last year. But they also have the fourth easiest strength of schedule for the rest of the year, according to tankathon.com, which is a fantastic (laughs) website if you have a few moments and you want some numbers on the NBA. So it may be that they just need to get a little bit healthier and they maybe have played a more difficult part of their schedule than we realize. We'll see. I hope that I'm wrong because I really do think they're a better team than that. And I would argue that they're not as ahead of schedule as we think because you don't bring in Donovan Mitchell thinking you're still building this team. Like you're bringing in Donovan Mitchell because it's time to start winning now. So we'll see. All right, moving on to the fun stuff. Let's raise our glasses. Toast to your favorite Cav of the week. First one, Darius Garland, double doubles in points and assists in all three games this week. Next one, Dean Wade, back for the first time since Thanksgiving, had a rebound against the Bucks. <laughs> Evan Mobley, who on the show last week, Chuck said was shitty, 18 and 15. Wow. He didn't say <laughs> not say he was shitty. <laughs> 18 and 15 against the Grizzlies, 17 and 6 against the Warriors, and a transcendent. 38 points, nine rebounds against the Bucks while shooting 70% from the floor. Uh, last one, Jetty Osmond, 13 points and three rebounds in both the Warriors and Bucks games. Who's getting your toast this week? Well, last week I gave it to Garland, and he probably deserves it a little bit again this week, but I'm going to go away from that because of what we saw yesterday in Evan Mobley. That was, I hope, and, I, you know, I, I get it. This team has a lot of scoring potential out of the guard position, so you're not going to get 30 to 40 points out of Evan Mobley every night, nor should you. You don't need it, right? But I hope that gets him going for the rest of the season because I do think that guy's a 20 to 25 point a night, every night guy. And you saw it. I mean, he was down low, that little baby hook, and the way he would approach, he would take one step to the to the rim and, like, what'd you say? He was shooting 70% from the floor. 70% I mean, were, from the floor. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty good. None of, none of his shots or not none, but it, certainly in the fourth quarter, he kind of took over. None of his shots occurred outside of the circle. <laughs> he was that close to the rim. Like just keep feeding that dude. I'm going to give it to Mobley because I, I, to piggyback what you were saying that Chuck alluded to last week, he's under achieved this year relative to where we thought his trajectory was going into the season. And maybe that game gives him a little bit of a boost going forward. I'm going to sound a lot like Phil here. It should be Garland because all-star level against the Grizzlies, the lone bright spot against the Warriors, uh, stellar against the Bucks. but I'm I'm with him and, and I'm going Mobley. Like Mobley is a, a defensive stud, uh, but you saw his potential as a scorer this week, especially against the Bucks. And it might be a recency bias thing, but he found so many different ways to score in that game, unstoppable in the paint. Uh, and you need another option like that. And maybe we thought Olavert's going to be the bucket guy, but he probably isn't. Um, and I'm I'm parroting what Phil said here. Like you need another guy, and I'm not expecting him to get 30 plus a night or 25 plus a night. But a dude, when you have those mismatches, takes advantage of it. He's never going to shoot 70% all the time. But when you see that potential as a scorer, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, I didn't say he sucked last week. <laughs> I just said, that it, are you sure? <laughs> we'll check the tape. <laughs> yeah, but what Phil's saying, the trajectory of his the jump to this year, 
I expect him to have more games like he did against the Bucks than than he has. So uh, he's still well deserving of uh, the raise my glass this week, though. I'm going to give it to Mobley, too. I didn't get to watch the game last night, but I loved everything that I read about it afterwards. And I think the one thing that I think has been an issue for him this year is those moments where he's not aggressive enough, where he passes. And it's a beautiful pass sometimes. The guy is an elite passer for a big man, but he's passing when he should just shoot. And it's just like, man, just take the game over yourself and start making these shots. And it sounds like that was a lot of what was happening. I would disagree that up until that point, he had been somewhat of a disappointment or let down this year. I think the guy just does so many little things and he, he hasn't been the one carrying the scoring responsibility this year. It's just not his role necessarily night in and night out on the team. So uh, he's still sick. He's going to be awesome, but I'd love to see a little bit more aggressiveness. Like he showed against the bucks. All right, let's look ahead to next week. The week starts Tuesday in the Big Apple with a big game against the six-seed Knicks, then continues with a long side-piece weekend. On the road Thursday against the Chuck side-piece Rockets, Friday on the road for the Denko side-piece Thunder, back home Sunday for the Miller side-piece Clippers. Who's getting more wins this week, the wife or the side-pieces? I think I'm going to split them i think it, i'm gonna even steven them that knicks game is gonna be rough the knicks are playing really good basketball they should beat up on the rockets and the thunder but you know the clip i don't know who knows who's playing for the clippers or who's injured so i'm just gonna send them a two and two where really it should be a, a three win week i'm gonna assume that donovan mitchell is not back for all of those because i think they're gonna and they probably should take their time with a groin injury to a guy that we need healthy for the long haul here so I think two and two is right where they land in those teams. It, it really should be a three and one week, but I think it's two and two. I, I'm pretty sure the Thunder will come into town and, and kill the Cavs because they're my side piece and they're going to flip my. <laughs> <laughs> so they'll get they'll they'll get two wins somewhere in that those four probably. I mean Houston's awful, and then maybe the Clippers. I think it's a three and one week sniffing four and zero, oh. uh, even without Mitchell. I'm really hoping wow. that the Golden State game was a wake up call. You know, and that was one of those kind of losses that makes you so mad that you come out making sure it never happens again. That game against the Knicks will be huge. And then the other three games are all games that they should win. Chuck's right. You have no idea who's taking the floor for the Clippers and whether they'll even be able to play well together if their stars are out there. So come on, Cavs. Don't make me look stupid. (laughs) Happens a lot. All right, gentlemen, 10 weeks And five days from tonight, it will be opening day for the Cleveland Guardians. Welcome to Winter Gardening, our probably almost always giddy look forward to the 2023 (laughs) Guards season. And why not start with the offseason? Which of these do you think was the Guardians' best offseason move? They signed right-handed pitcher Tuki Tuasan to a minor league deal. Two Guns Tukey had eight appearances for the Braves last year. Pro-rated for 162 games, he would have had 154 strikeouts. (laughs) Next one, the Guardians have not signed Brian Shaw yet. (laughs) Next one, Guardians signed Josh Bell, two years, 33 million. And last one, they re-signed Terry Francona at the end of the year to a contract that does not have a term of years. Now the longest-serving manager in team history, 
Tito can manage the Guardians for as long as he wants to. So, which was the best move for the guards this offseason? I like, wow. I, w- I was beginning to think you were going to take the Tito contract the Bobby Bonilla way. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. What? Are we on the hook for this guy for like the next <laughs> 50 years, no matter what? No, I, I'm going to go with the Francona contract, even though he might only be your Guardians manager for another couple years. That guy makes this team better than we probably can even anticipate or, or understand throughout the course of a season. I really like the Josh Bell signing, but if Francona's the manager in the next, let's say he outlasts Josh Bell. So if Francona's the manager for three more years, that's going to be more important to our beloved Guardians than Josh Bell in the middle of that lineup. Don't sleep on two guns, Tukey, apparently. <laughs> uh, I'm sure the guy will actually contribute, and I love the Bell signing because it fills a need, but it'd be crazy not to say it's the open-door contract for Tito. Hey, man, like... And, and he loves this organization. I, I saw some of his sound bites and he's, I love him because he feels like one of us just like put it super eloquently. He was just like, Hey, I kind of told him, man, like, I'll be here forever. You're going to have to get rid of me. And I like, so he, he makes this, these guys so much better, uh, I think. Uh, and I'm not taking anything away from the front office and what they do for this team, but uh, I'd be happy if that guy was still here five, seven, 10 years from now, if he's still driving his moped around downtown, he just feels right. Like we've always hoped that at some point there's a parade with that guy because they won a championship because of him. Maybe he takes a book out of uh, Larusa's c- coaching career, right? Like he just, just starts smoking darts in the dugout. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> no, it's all about longevity. <laughs> he's got a lot. He's got a lot of health problems, and the last thing he needs <laughs> is to pick up smoking as a habit. That's a bad idea. <laughs> I love the fact that they sign him to a contract without a term of years. Like he's just here as long as he wants to be. I love the fact that he really believes that this team is something special. And I think we saw that during the season Like he loves coaching this young team uh, who played baseball the way a lot of us love to see baseball played. I think it is an organization that is showing the stability that we would certainly love to see in some other places in Cleveland. Mm. And he's he's a big part of that. And him sticking around, I think, is a big deal. Moving on to 33 Shades of Brown, our 33-week preview for the Browns 2023 season. And speaking of organizations where we're hoping there can be some continuity and some consistency, <laughs> Jim Schwartz was hired as the defensive coordinator for the Browns, replacing Joe Woods. He crushed the press conference by saying he wants to bring a Super Bowl parade to Cleveland. How many turnovers do you think that's going to be worth next season? Uh, zero. I'm hoping that just maybe the Browns stay out of the news for a couple weeks. I was really looking forward to not talking about the Browns at all <laughs> for a little bit. In these last few weeks, I mean, I get it. We have to talk about it, right? I, I like the Jim Short signing. I think it's great. He's not going to make a single fucking tackle or sack next year. So let's hope he just gets this team, the defense moving in the right direction. He might be that guy that we talked about in the past where if he just settles into defensive being a defensive coordinator, he's got a track record of being a really good defensive coordinator. He's not after Stefanski's job. Whatever. Again, I'm, I'm kind of with Phil hoping I didn't have to talk or hear anything about the Browns for a few weeks. And, and one of my coworkers, he's he's a, a gigantic Browns fan, came in my office on Wednesday. He's like, here's my mock draft. I'm like, get the fuck out of my office. Get out You're of fired. my office, dude. Uh, but, you know, like... People could win press conferences. And I I really like he seems super genuine. And I liked everything he said. And reading about 
what he does and what the league thinks about him. Apparently, he is a fantastic defensive coordinator. It's exactly what this organization needs, but I guess we'll see. He's going to be responsible for exactly zero turnovers, and winning the press conference doesn't mean anything, but best of luck, buddy. Please come out and do a great job. Pretty pleased with (laughs) sugar on top. Just make him good. I, too, am hoping that this is the last time we have to talk about the Browns for at least another 10 weeks, but we'll (laughs) see. With that, fellas, let's take our first break. We're going to come back, head out on the road, talk a bunch of NFL. Welcome back, fellas, to our second segment. We'll head out on the road, and we'll talk some NFL. Let's look back, let's look ahead, and then let's look around. Looking back, the divisional round was, frankly, pretty lame. Chiefs outlast the Jags. Eagles reminded us the Giants are bad. Bengals dominated the Bills. 49ers beat the Dallas Cowboys in a field goal battle. What was the bigger storyline from the divisional round? Patrick Mahomes playing through a high ankle sprain or Jalen Hurts playing through a shoulder injury? Maybe the Mahomes thing only because everybody loves him so much and he's really good and he came back and played, but his stat line was still pedestrian. And I assume Phil could tell me that it's still pretty amazing with a high ankle sprain that anybody could do anything at that level. But I guess I'll just go there because I don't know if I've ever seen him play through anything. Remember when the Brown should have beat them though? With Henny, <laughs> and Henny came out there again. I was like, that guy's oh. still their backup. Yeah, uh, but anyway, uh, I'll just give it to Mahomes because I, I don't know if any, he's ever played through an injury like that. Yeah. Henny is the best backup divisional playoff round quarterback yeah. in like the history ever. of the NFL. Or at least since like Frank Reich. I don't know if that was a wild card game or if that was a divisional game. I can't remember. Phil, what do you think? Bigger storyline, Mahomes injury or Jalen Hurts injury? I think the Mahomes injury is a bigger storyline because of what's coming. All right, it's great that he got back out there and played and and played through the injury. That's the type of injury that he's going to feel the brunt of that now, not not during that game necessarily. So it's these next few days. There's report. I mean, they they put him on crutches. They put him in a walking boot. So this week is going to be really key. So I think that injury is the biggest storyline for what it might mean for next weekend. I agree. I'm not even sure how serious the Jalen Hurts injury is because he looked pretty damn good this weekend. I don't know that he was really hurting that much, but it was a story that came out after the game that he was still feeling the effects of that injury. But yeah, I think you're right. Like a high ankle sprain to me is something that like knocks guys out for like six weeks or something like that. That always seems like can, yeah. a pretty serious injury. If he's not back next week, obviously that's a totally different game. I don't know if we've ever seen Chad Henney play in a championship game. Probably not. You know? He has one good so. series in him. One good series. We know that. That's it. <laughs> well, the defense better step up. Uh, if he's not there, if Mahomes is not there next week, that that's a huge story for a team that looked looked pretty solid winning today. And you we've just gotten so used to seeing them. this is their fifth straight AFC championship. That's a pretty big deal, man. Tough if he's not there. What team do you think fooled us the most in the wild card round? Was it the Giants by beating the Vikings or the Bengals by only barely beating the Ravens? I don't think we were fooled by the Giants. I thought I think we still thought they were shitty, even though they won that game. So I I think we were more fooled by the Bengals because we were talking about how the Bengals had all these problems and looked terrible against an awful Ravens team. And they did, but the Bengals looked really good today. So it's just the playoffs win and move on, right? Like the the Bengals look good on both sides of the ball today. So I think we were more fooled by Cincinnati than, than uh, New York. Ditto. I think we talked about the giants. Basically Daniel Jones had the game of his life. 
Um, and then they kind of came back down to earth. But we're talking about the Bengals looked pretty dominant today in shitty weather. Uh, and Joe Burrow <laughs> looked just fine throwing the ball, yeah. where Josh Allen did not. Uh, looked like he was throwing pillows sometimes. So Bengals probably still playing the best football in the NFL. Three for three. I, I think it was the Bengals. Looked like a totally different team. How they were unable to move the ball in any effective manner against the Ravens, but come back the next week and just chew up a good Bills defense. Just blows my mind how much can change in the NFL week to week, but definitely fooled by the Bengals, and I don't think we'll be fooled again. Did the NFC East prove to be the best division in football this year? They had three teams in the divisional round. The Eagles won. The Giants lost to the Eagles. And the Cowboys, even though it was kind of a silly game this evening, they did keep it close against the team that a lot of people think is the best in the NFC and in, in losing that game to the 49ers. So, NFC East, best division in football? Isn't it the NFC South? Isn't that where the Bucks came out of? That's the best division <laughs> of football. You're probably right, just because it's a numbers game. If you have three teams making the playoffs, um, it's tough to argue that, uh, even if the Giants were benefits of a very weak schedule. But yeah, you're talking about an Eagles team that's really good and a Cowboy team that is really good and came up short. Just because it's the numbers, yeah. They're, how about they're the best team, or the best division in the NFL? Yeah, I think in totality, it, it it's hard to argue against that because you had three of the four teams make the playoffs and the fourth team and the commanders were, were in the playoff hunt until the second last week of the season, I think, right? After they lost to our Cleveland Browns, they were eliminated. Um, yeah. yeah, so top to bottom, best division, sure. It's got probably the best team in the NFC uh, on top of it and two out of three of the teams are playoff teams. So I don't know how you argue against that. All right, I agree with you. Those were the easy questions, fellas. Now- Oh, let's look ahead to Thank the God. tough questions and get down to what maybe really decides the big games. So the AFC championship game is going to be the Bengals in Kansas City against the Chiefs. Who has the advantage at quarterback and who has the advantage on defense? Well, we're assuming Mahomes is playing or are we just taking everything into consideration? And even if he's playing, he's hobbled, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, this question is somewhat born out of my lack of medical knowledge that I figured, well, <laughs> if he played through it on Sunday, he must be able to play through it again next week. I did not know that the injury would get worse for him. So let's go ahead and assume that my lack of medical knowledge is right. Yeah. He will be injured, but he will be the quarterback for the Chiefs next week. So this is by far the best matchup between quarterbacks in, in what's left in, in the playoffs. And um, Joe Burrow is proving every week that he is, man, he's up there, man. He is a just a really good NFL quarterback and seemingly getting better and better. But Patrick Mahomes is, that, is just that, I don't know if it's a wild card kind of, that guy... He doesn't. He doesn't have anything left to prove. He has proven it, and the guy goes out there and wins football games. So let's assume he plays, and even if he plays injured, I feel like this is lining up to be one of those storylines where, all right, Mahomes is out there injured. We're going to hear about it nonstop all week, and he goes out there and maybe beats a Bengals team that is playing really well, but hasn't played consistently well in the last several weeks. I don't know. That's a hard question to answer. I, I feel like told you. Yeah, I know. You're right. You're, you were right. Can we talk about the can we talk about the NFC South? I agree with Chuck. No, Worst, no. Football. All right. Man, I'm going to give the edge to Patrick Mahomes, assuming that he plays and is not as hobbled as I might think he will be. But 
I might pick the Bengals to win that game. If you ask me right now, <laughs> who do you give the advantage to on defense? Uh, the defense is trying to ball. question. That, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Wow. These are hard. Jeez. <laughs> the defense. I I'm going to give the edge to the Bengals because I think I shit on that defense all year. And, and I should have, because I saw our Cleveland Browns post 30 plus on that team. And you know, that's gotta be a terrible defense, right? But this defense has been stepping up of late. Um, that kept them in that Baltimore game that dominated Absolutely. this Buffalo yeah. game, right? So I'm going to give the edge to Cincinnati on the defensive side of the ball. Chuck, two-part question. Yeah, it's been a while since you asked it. Good luck, <laughs> man. Good luck. <laughs> it's, been, it's been a while since you asked it. It's been like 15 minutes. All things considered, quarterback, probably Burrow. He's playing great. He has more weapons. Didn't they go in there last year and beat them to go to the, the Super Bowl? Again, yep. not an easy place to play, but I don't think it bothers them because Buffalo is not an easy place to play, especially today in that weather as well. And they look like it didn't affect them at all. So uh, advantage Burrow, uh, defensively, advantage Bengals. I think they've ripped off eight or nine now, right? Did they be nine in a row maybe? So uh, for for me, crap all over them all season. Uh, Sam's tonight, man. Oh, way off. Um, <laughs> they're playing really good football, and that's typically what you want to be doing when you're heading to the AFC Championship. It's a tough test, man, to go into Arrowhead against Mahomes, whether he's hobbled or not. I would lean Bengals advantage both ways. I would too, and I might even go so far as to say that even if Mahomes was healthy, I, I might lean towards Burrow. He's been that good lately, and he just carved up the bills today like you're saying in, in real tough circumstances with the weather he just looks awesome yeah Mahomes is probably the best quarterback in the NFL and uh, Burrow still has a little bit to prove I suppose but man the way they're both playing right now I, I'd almost give him the advantage even if Mahomes is healthy but a banged up Mahomes I think I think Burrow is going to be the better quarterback in that game so who's winning on the road Bengals at Chiefs AFC Championship. I talked myself into it. Uh, I'm going to say the Bengals. Ooh, I'm going Cincinnati as well. I, I kind of, I, against what I thought I would do, I'm rooting for this team, which is weird, right? It's the Bengals. Oh, division rival. do that. Yeah, I'm rooting <laughs> for them to be, no, I'm rooting for them to win this game. I'm rooting for them to beat Kansas City for no other reason. I, I hate the State Farm commercials. Fuck that guy. <laughs> All right, well, gosh, that's fair. I'm going to root for nobody to win this game, but I guess I got some belief in the Chiefs that they can win it at home. Uh, if Mahomes takes the field, even if he's a little bit banged up, and Huff, I think, for Cincinnati to go in there two years in a row and, and beat them in the championship game. So I will go Chiefs, you guys on the Bengals. All right. The NFC championship is going to be the 49ers versus the Eagles. Who has the advantage at quarterback? Who has the advantage on defense? Quarterback, it's, it's Jalen Hurts because he brings so much to the table with his legs. Can't take anything away from a guy who was drafted the last pick in the draft and is leading his team to the NFC Championship. But, you know, he I watched most of that game tonight, and he looks good at times, but he, he's still... Yeah, he's still a little he can still be a little shaky, even with all those weapons around him. So advantage Jalen Hurts and the Eagles defensively. Both of them are really good, but advantage Niners. Um, I'm pretty sure almost two guys had 100 yards rushing for the Eagles against the Giants. That's not happening against the 49ers. That defense gets to the ball and fast. So uh, advantage Niners defense, advantage Eagles quarterback. I'm on the exact same thing. I, I think Jalen Hurts is easily the advantage at quarterback. Uh, he's a dynamic quarterback. He, he throws the ball for touchdowns. He runs the ball for touchdowns. He's 
he's just that good. So what we're about to find out is does a top tier defense, because I give the advantage to the 49ers on the defensive side of the ball, because that 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 is the reason that team is in the NFC championship game right now. Does a top tier defense stop a guy like Jalen Hurts in that offense? I don't know. I think in the past, good defense wins championships. I don't think that's the case anymore. I like this debate with these two quarterbacks because neither of them have ever been on this stage before. Jalen Hurts has never been in an NFC championship game. Obviously, Purdy is in his first run through the playoffs. He's never been to a championship game either. And that's a big deal. Like, which of these guys is ready to step out there and handle it under that type of pressure? And I have a feeling it's a little bit closer than you might think as far as who has the advantage at quarterback, just because I feel like Purdy knows what he has to do. You know what I mean? Like he knows he doesn't have to be Jalen Hurts and play like Jalen Hurts to win this game. He's just got to manage the game, get the ball in the hands of his playmakers and let them do the heavy lifting. Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback. No doubt about that. But, you know, if if he tries to do too much, is that going to be a problem for the Eagles? On defense, I give it to the 49ers too, but I was looking at this today. It's a lot closer than you think, man. The Eagles and the 49ers were both in the top five in like most defensive stats for teams in the NFL this year. And they're both really, really good defenses. Maybe the 49ers got some bigger names with Bosa on the line and stuff, but it's close. I think it's close on both of these, but I think we're in the same spot. Jalen Hurts, advantage, 49ers defense advantage. So who's winning? Our goose takes it to the Super Bowl. Philadelphia wins. That's rough. I think it's the Eagles. They're playing at home. But each team has a lot of weapons, and they can beat you offensively in so many different ways. So whose defense is better? It's, it's the Niners, but I still think, man, I think it's the Eagles. I think the Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Three for three. Come on. Eagles at home. Everything else being relatively even, they should win this game. I would like to see that happen for sure. We get our goose in the Super Bowl. That would be fantastic. I guess we got to go. We got to go to the game if they make it. (laughs) All right. So enough looking back and looking forward. Let's move on to our indeed.com looking around who needs to do some hiring in the NFL head coaching openings right now, Carolina, Arizona, Indianapolis, Denver, Texas, maybe the Cowboys after tonight. Mm, I don't know. Which job would you like to have the most as a head coach in the NFL? Oh, man. So the Cowboys are definitely, we don't know. So out of. Yeah, the Cowboys Denver, are just a joke. I don't think. Yeah, no. I don't think they're moving on, although they should, but they, they, I don't think they will. I think it's that Texans job because they have so much draft capital uh, and they have a very young roster. And it seemed like they drafted well last year. Some of those guys are playing really well. So if you're a coach, you can come in with all that moving in the right direction and build it the way you want to build it, or at least build it with the front office. I think the Texans may have the most appealing job. Bill? What? (laughs) (laughs) Which, which, Which vacant NFL coaching job do you want the most? Run through them again. It's Carolina, Arizona, Indianapolis, Denver, and Texas. God, those are terrible. Those are so bad. Like the only one in that list that has your quarterback in place is the last place you want to go because of the quarterback that's in place, right? In Denver. Like stay away from that disaster. Oh, I can see where Chuck's going with Houston because of the draft capital. I think maybe, maybe the Colts are a player away from being a really good team 
in an off season. And that player just happens to be the quarterback. Hmm. So that's not easy to get. Right. But if I was a coach going into a team, cause you've got a stud running back, you've got a good defense. If I'm a coach, maybe I could be persuaded to get into that job knowing that they're working on getting the starting quarterback for next year. I, I don't know who that would be. <laughs> Baker Mayfield. <laughs> who knows? Derek Carr. Yeah, that that see now Man, that would make that would be a difference maker, right? Like, all right, yeah. If I could, I would take that job with Derek Carr over the other ones. It's always interesting to me when we go all these different directions. I think, I think I'd feel the most comfortable taking the Arizona job because I think low humidity. What's that? <laughs> low humidity. <laughs> well, well, I think the weather plays into it. Yeah, there's a lot of nice yeah. weather We're in older. that part of the country, and um, yeah, I'm looking pretty good. I'm younger than most of the population. <laughs> In the Phoenix area, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking good. I think you need to have a quarterback to be successful, and Carolina, Texas, and Indianapolis don't have one, and Denver is saddled with that contract for Russell Wilson for a long time. And so I know that Kyler has had his issues in Arizona, but if I'm looking at that saying, hey, I got to take one of these jobs, I think he's the quarterback I most think I can be successful with. So a combination of the weather and the quarterback gets me to Arizona. None of us are going to be hired as NFL coaches for next season. Sean Payton might be. Is he taking one of these jobs? And if so, which one? Hasn't he interviewed for a few of them already? Is he interviewed in Denver? I think. He interviewed in I Denver, yeah. Which I don't I don't get that, but yeah, I mean he's been out of the league for two is it one full year or two years? One full consultant year. on that Kevin James movie about his life that looked fantastic. So I assume he wants to get back into coaching. I think he does take one of these jobs. Like if, if you're that guy and you're that good at your job, which I guess he is, right? He's he's a top-tier NFL coach. Uh, you think you can make your stamp on any organization that you go into. So probably what you're all saying, you're like, which, who has the best roster uh, that he can go in and, and win almost immediately? So um, surprisingly, if he thinks he can fix Russell Wilson, Denver probably has the best roster. Their defense is good. They have guys at skill positions. So maybe I'd lean that way, even though if it was me, I'd just f- run the other way and sit out a few more years. I don't think Sean Payton takes any of those jobs. I think I think he takes a job if a team that wasn't on that list thinks they have a chance to land him like a Chargers and they move on from their young coach that has been – you know, mediocre at best over the course of his, of his tenure. So I think as Sean Payton ends up in LA with either one of those franchises, although I don't think McVay's leaving the Rams, but anyway, I, 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 to answer your question, I don't think he lands on one of those teams. I think he lands, if he comes back next year, he lands on a team that has a decent coach, but not a great coach. And they think he'll take them over the hump. And then that puts that other coach in the mix with all these other guys, like the Browns. Oh that's, man, that's exactly what I was going to say. Phil just uh, said yes. he's going to the Browns. I would not be all that disappointed. I think. Oh man, every episode we talk about how it's important to have continuity in the <laughs> front right. office and the coaches. And Phil's no, no, no. Let's let's get Sean Payton. If these are the only jobs available, I bet you he sits for another year. He's got yeah. another year of being paid by the Saints. And if he's if he's picked up by another team, like the Saints have to give compensation or the Saints get compensation if he if he signs with somebody this year. None of these are very attractive options, man. I don't know. If I'm Sean Payton, maybe I'm crossing my fingers and hoping Mike McCarthy flames out next year in Dallas and that job opens up. Something like that. 
I don't know. Maybe I don't think the Chargers jobs. The Chargers wouldn't be tempting to that guy. With I think the Chargers would. Yeah, yeah. I think for sure the Chargers would. I actually don't think the Rams would. Even if no, like there been some noise about like it's all about the quarterback, right? Yeah, yeah. But what if Tommy goes with them, like they're saying, they're linked, and they end up on the Colts? Yeah, I mean that's that's a roster that'd be ready to win. I know it is weird. It'd be so weird. It'd be so weird if that happened. That people talk about him going to Carolina too, under the same scenario that Brady goes with them. But that still just seems so strange for those two guys to end up in Carolina together. I don't know. That's the thing. I don't think he's taking any of the jobs that I listed, and you got to wait and see if anything else opens up or if somebody like the Chargers are willing to say, okay, we're going to get rid of our guy because this is an obvious upgrade or the Browns. Yeesh. I don't even want to talk about <laughs> Not that. Not the Browns. That'll be no. that'll be week 32 of our uh, preview <laughs> coming up next week. Should the Browns get a different coach? <laughs> oh, man, I hope not. All right, fellas, with that, we are going to take our final break. We're going to come back and we're going to head off the field, talk some cars. Welcome back, fellas, to our final segment of the night. We will head off the field. And did you know, 70 years ago this month, Chevrolet unveiled the Corvette for the very first time. One of the many iconic moments in American auto history turned 70. So let's talk whips, beaters, rides, wheels, breezers, four bangers, and hoopties. (laughs) Welcome to From the Land, <laughs> Drive All Night. Let's talk cars. Quick stat line for cars. According to the internet, there are 1.4 billion cars on the planet. Carl Benz, in 1886, applied for the first ever gas engine powered vehicle patent for his three-wheeled car. Henry Ford did not invent the car. He did create the first way to mass produce them. The Toyota Corolla is the number one selling car model of all time with more than 50 million sold worldwide. The Studebaker Wagoneer is considered the worst selling car of all time. It was kind of like a pickup station wagon combo. It only sold 940 models. So let's get started and let's start in the obvious place with your first car. What was your favorite thing about your first car? <laughs> my first car was named Yamule, as you guys are well aware. It was a 1985 Toyota Tercel hatchback. And my favorite thing about that car was it was so tiny that it only took three of us to lift up a corner of it so I could change a flat tire. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. Yeah, it was. Uh, my first car was a 1984 Chevy Cavalier that had the Z24 add-ons, but was not a Z24. <laughs> that was a cool car, man. You it had was, a cool was, car. Yeah, was system, cool. Banging system in it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Banging. <laughs> My first car that was actually like mine and only mine to drive was the 1993 Saturn hand-me-down my parents gave me sometime in the late 90s. I think when I got my hands on it, it might have already had almost 100,000 miles on it, but it was a stick shift, and I loved oh, yeah driving stick that is a dying art form i know a lot of people that don't know how to drive stick shifts now uh, so the fact that i had one um i really love that about that car that and the fact that like the air conditioning and the tape deck were both broken by the time i was done driving it and it had a bunch of dents in it from foul <laughs> balls that had gotten hit into it during uh times when i was coaching baseball 
All right, let's move on. Best song about cars that's not written by Bruce Springsteen. Because let's be honest, Born to Run, Thunder Road, Drive All Night, Racing in the Streets, Stolen Car, Pink Cadillac. No one is coming close to those songs or the volume of car songs that Springsteen's written. This is one of those almost impossible lists. So I've made the list, but if you want to add to it, feel free. Here we go. Drive My Car by The Beatles. Mercedes-Benz by Janis Joplin. Little Red Corvette by Prince. Bitchin' Camaro by The Dead Milkmen. Yeah. No, Cruising in My 6-4 by Eazy-E. Which one of those, or a, a choice of your own, is the best song about cars? Man, there's so many. Because I, I don't love anyone's on those lists. Oh, come on. Little Red Corvette? It's a great song. I love that song. But I think I might like, and this is like a double banger here, the cars drive was a great yep. song. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't really about drive. It was like, who's going to drive you home? To, that was a great eighty song. So I might, I might lean that way. I'm going to go the cars drive. This was kind of a hard list because I was looking for actual car names in the song, not songs about driving. Because there's a lot. Yeah. Like, listen, life is the highway, or life is That's the true. highway is yeah. like the best driving song ever. Yeah, yeah. The uh, yeah. the Tom Cochran version, not the country version, not the Rascal Flats. Yeah, exactly. Those guys ruined it. Anyway, Phil, best song about cars or driving or whatever you want. Yeah, well, uh, of that list, I think the first one on that list that I ever heard as a kid growing up was Bitching Camaro by Dead Man, which is nuts to think yeah. about. But I remember riding the bus in like fifth grade and someone had the Dead Milkman cassette and it was like, oh, this is explicit lyrics listen to this and i remember bitching camaro which yeah. is crazy of that list i, I don't know I, I it's hard to go away from little red corvette but what about uh mustang sally i'm gonna go with mustang sally okay too. yep another little, good one yep little red corvette's about a condom it's not really about a car i'm not looking for like an interpretation whoa, whoa. of the lyrics i was okay. just looking at All the right. car titles like i'm about sure it. drive my car by the beatles probably wasn't about just driving a car might have been about handies or something i don't know <laughs> Wait, can we dive into the all ears a little red Corvette and really pick that apart? No, no. All right. How about Mustang Sally? Wilson Pickett. Let's yeah. do it. Wilson Pickett. All right. Wilson Don't Pickett. Good one for sure. Uh, I'm going Little Red Corvette by Prince. I love me some Prince. Uh, I think that's a fantastic song, no matter what it's about. Moving on. Best movie about cars. Again, almost an impossible list to make, but here are some choices and feel free to add your own. Smokey and the Bandit, 1977, Burt Reynolds classic. Thunderbolt with Jackie Chan, 1995. Sean saw this. I'm 100% sure of it. Gung Ho, 1986, Michael Keaton. That was a movie yeah. about making cars. Dude, I love yeah. that movie, man. I love that movie. Norm was in that movie? Yeah. Cannonball Run, another Burt Reynolds classic from 1981. Or Days of Thunder, 1990. When is Cruz making the sequel to this one? Which one of those is the best movie about cars? Oh man, of that of that list, my favorite's probably Days of Thunder for all the wrong reasons, <laughs> I'm sure. But I don't know, like there there's a lot, like you said with the music, there's a lot of movies about cars, right? Oh, I mean, of course, yeah. The car is the yeah. center, you know, whether it's recent Gone in 60 Seconds, how you know, our 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 boy uh um What's his name? I can't think of his Nick name. Nick Cage is his name. Nick Cage. Yeah, that's his name. Massive talent. But I, you know what? I just watched 
I just watched John Wick this morning because on Sunday morning, that's what you should do. Watch a movie like John Wick. That's how you get into the Sunday, right? And and really, that movie is about what are your car. Sundays like? Yeah. Well, I get up. I I, I get up. I don't, don't want to know everything. <laughs> Why'd you ask? I get up early. I I feel like I man, I'm kind of hungover. Who overserved me? And it's my own fault. And then I you know ease into a good John Wick movie from like nine to eleven. Uh, and then I get rolling. So John Wick is a, a movie about a car and a dog, the first one. And that's just as good as any of the ones you laid out there. And I, I can't believe that Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift and make your list. So I'm going <laughs> to stick to yours. I think it's Smokey and the Bandits. I'll stick to just your list because we keep deviating from your yeah. show prep. So I'm sticking with Smokey and the Bandit. I think I'm going to go with Gung Ho. Like I had forgotten how movie. much I enjoyed that movie. Yeah, you can yeah. find like clips of it on YouTube yeah. now. And that movie's hilarious. Michael Keaton is. is fantastic. Great actor. Underrated. Underrated. Although, man, I, do, I really do love Days of Thunder. I actually wrote a paper for a class in college about Days of Thunder and all about the relationship between Tom Cruise and the other guy who was the guy who made the car, Robert Duvall. Robbie? Oh, oh Duvall. Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. It was about their relationship and stuff like that. What about Talladega Nights? How did I forget that one? Damn it. Oh, it's coming later. Don't worry. Oh, Don't worry. It's coming sorry. later. All right. Moving on. You remember that MTV show, Pimp My Ride? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which one of these was the worst idea that they had? First one, 1970 Chevy Blazer. They installed seven-inch LED monitors on the mud flaps. <laughs> 1988 Cadillac DeVille limousine. They have a pneumatic tube delivery system for messages oh. from the driver to the back. It's like the thing at the bank where you put the thing yeah. in the yeah, tube. It it in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 1987 Blazer. They installed a fireplace. 1997 Toyota RAV4. They installed a chocolate fountain. Which one of these was the worst idea? They're all the shits except for the thing that sucks out, like the pneumatic device. But I'm I'm, I'm going to go with the the seven inch display screen on the mud flaps. That seems super counterintuitive to what mud flaps are actually supposed to be doing. Uh, and if they actually get mud on them, how are you seeing what's on those screens? So that even if they're clean, they're down like by the right. tire. You're gonna like lay down on the ground and like watch a, a, a tiny screen. That seems pretty stupid. Were all these episodes under the guidance of Exhibit? I feel like he would not have signed on for yeah. these things. Man, well, you know, it's all about the money, I guess. So I'm going to go with the chocolate fountain because what the f- do you need a chocolate fountain for in a car? <laughs> like when you turn quickly, it's just chocolate everywhere, right? Like that's just yeah. chocolate all over the car. Good luck getting that out. Yeah. Uh, I'm going with the fireplace. I don't know <laughs> also, that a fireplace <laughs> in a car <laughs> is a super safe idea. I'm not yeah, really Celine, sure that yeah, that right. was that one was was thought out really well. All right. Along those same lines. What can you fix on a car? Oh man, uh, it's a pretty lengthy list, actually. Oh, all right. Yeah, I'm I'm not a I'm not an auto mechanic by any stretch of the imagination, but I can fix anything wrong with the tires, the oil. What do you mean anything wrong with the tires? Oh, I've I've got a lot of experience. So uh be it a flat tire, be it a rim that's out of balance, be it any of those kind of things, I can change tires. I'm like my own pit crew. Some of the vehicles I've owned, I had to change tires from performance to snow tires. So I got used to that. So, you know, that nothing, nothing crazy, nothing. I'm not an auto mechanic, but I can fix some things on a car. I feel less like a man. I know I can change like wiper blades on most models. Uh, Sometimes I can figure out, it takes me a good five to 10 minutes to figure out how to open the hood on certain cars that I haven't been around. 
uh, trying to find that little latch underneath doesn't work well for me. I can put air in the tires after consulting the internet at what the proper PSI should be. But other than that, I'm, I'm no grease monkey. Hey man, don't sell yourself short with the, the wipers that that's not easy. Like that's yeah. a weird, like finagling yeah. of the, yeah. 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 I changed one of Tammy's wipers like two weeks ago. And last week she was driving down the road and it just flew off the car. <laughs> And she had to stop and pick it up on the street. <laughs> Yesterday, I fixed it again. And I think this time I fixed it correctly, which is, I, I think the other one was broken when I put it on and I just didn't know it. But I can do, I can do that. I can change a battery. I can change wiper blades. I can change the tires. Replace I brakes. Fill. That's, that's a hard job. I've done that. No, yeah. no, I can't do that. And so, they worked. <laughs> that's, that's impressive. And my, my older yeah. brother was like a car nut. Which is yeah. why, like the the vet thing, caught my attention because he loved Corvettes. He owned two or three um, during his life, and he did everything. He, I mean, he would he changed rotors on the brakes and shit like that. I mean, he did all yeah. of it. He, I am definitely like the disappointment in my family, and maybe my mom is too. Uh, the two of us cannot fix anything on cars, whereas like Steve and my dad, you know, they could fix they could fix just about anything. Um, all right, scale of one to five. Taking it back to Days of Thunder, one being Cole Trickle, five being Ricky Bobby in the car with the Cougar for the first time in Talladega Nights. How would you rate your wife's driving? Ooh. <laughs> mm, she's so is five good in this scale, I'm assuming. No, he's a zoo when he's in the car with the Cougar for the first time. Yeah. Cole Trickle's like an amazing yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Cougar. Yeah, yeah. It's a live yeah, like, like a four um, for her. Uh, mostly because she, she's pretty aggressive uh, when it when it comes to being behind the wheel in a good way sometimes, but mostly when I'm driving, uh, she wants me to do the same same things. Like I'm going so slow, but yeah, I'll, I'll put it at a four. I would say like Tammy's probably like a three and a half or a four somewhere in there, mostly because I feel like she's distracted. Like I yeah. know for sure she's driving places and she's texting me when I'm not in the car. Like, what are you doing? Don't text while you're driving. And she's just like kind of like a lack of attention and sometimes maybe going not aggressively driving, but going fast in situations where you shouldn't. That's right. Yeah. I put it. So, Phil, who do no. you think is a better driver, Whitney or Tammy? How come I don't get to, how come I don't get to answer that question? <laughs> well, um, well, all right. I'll answer your question first. Who's a better driver, Whitney or Tammy? Uh, based on your descriptions, I'm going to, I'm going to give the slight edge to Tammy based on experience alone, just because she's older than Whitney, but I, I will tell you, uh, be it ex-girlfriends or ex-wives, I I've never had a bad driver as a partner in my life. Like they've oh. all been really good drivers, some faster than me and they could handle the car. So yeah, I've never had a bad driver as a, as a partner in life. All right. Well, lucky you. And you know, you're on the market looking for new opportunities. So here you go. You can fix cars and, you know, let them drive them. What's Cole Trickle doing? At this point in your life or sometime before, was there a car that you considered like your dream car to own? Well, when I was really young, it was probably something that I had no idea was just financially out of reach, no matter what, because, yeah. you know, I'm DeLorean like, from back yeah, to the exactly. future. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I went beyond yeah, that yeah. even like Ferraris and Lamborghinis, like, all right, this is ridiculous. But I was driving another small hatchback, a Honda Civic. And I was in grad school and I was driving it from Dayton to Cincinnati every day and doing fine with it. It was a nine, 1997 Civic. And I, I pulled up behind a, a Ford Lightning, which was a souped up pickup truck. 
that was made famous by the early Fast and Furious movies, way before Tokyo Drift. Uh, but the the Ford Lightning was in Fast and Furious. And I pulled up behind this truck. I'm like, wow, that is a kick-ass looking truck. And I just had this thought. I'm like, eventually, once I actually make money to do this job, I want to buy one of those. And uh, I did. I did it. Hey, I did all right. It. I did it. Worst vehicle I could have ever yeah. purchased while oh, living no. in Ohio. <laughs> no, no, no. It was it was an awesome truck. I mean, it was awesome. It it was it was fast. It handled better at 110 than it did at 65. I mean, that thing was awesome, but not a great truck to have in Ohio where there's winter. Yeah, growing up, there was a uh, 77 Corvette Stingray uh, in the family, and I got to drive it like once or twice. And and when I had the opportunity to drive it, I was like, I didn't want to because I'd waited my whole life to do it. And the sheer power of that car, yeah, and really not being able to see as a as a grown up over the hood just because it, it was so contoured and the second time i drove it i i broke the linkage in the clutch so that was that was the last time and then it got out of the family but less than a year ago i was driving uh in erie and heading to warren was like an hour and five minutes from here and i'm driving down these country roads and i think i see it for sale in somebody's front yard uh and i immediately just slam the brakes uh and walk up to it and take pictures because at that point, when we had it, it was black and then it got painted red and this was the right red. I'm like, there's no way that's not it, but it was wrong on the inside. So I think from a legacy standpoint, uh, I would like that oh, 77 man. Stingray. It was such a mean looking vehicle with the yeah. side pipes that you burned your ankles on when you got in and out of the thing as a kid. So uh, that, that would be it just to bring it back to the Rambaldo family at some point. That's awesome. That is not just a corvette stingray but it is the particular one yeah. that was in the family that's really cool yeah. you are not lying about the power of a corvette i remember Oof. the first time my brother let me drive his and we were on the freeway going 60 miles an hour and he told me to downshift it into fourth and i accidentally downshifted it into second going 60 miles an hour man i think we peeled out on the freeway we shoot forward. I rip back through the gears up to five and I'm like apologizing to him. And I look over and he's just like laughing his ass off. He's like, that was awesome. <laughs> like, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to ruin your car, but yeah, a uh, Corvette is a powerful, powerful ride. I'm not much of a car guy, you know, so there's nothing really in mind. Uh, I've always thought like those like 60 era convertible Mustangs were cool cars. Like I thought like, oh man, that would be a cool thing to be cruising around in in the summer and stuff like that those are nice cars but that's probably as far as i would go for that one how about the future of cars recent surveys show that millennials and gen z don't find driving as fun as maybe our generation did or the generations before ours are less interested in the capital costs of buying a car readily use ride shares and experts say they are more interested in car access than they are car ownership. Do you think there will be a shift away from owning cars over the next 20 years? Or are these generations still going to grow into ownership in a traditional way like I think we grew up with it? I, I definitely think there'll be a shift away from car ownership if that includes leasing vehicles and things like that because of the technology involved in the vehicle. So it makes more sense the way the technology advances so quickly in our lives that you replace your vehicle every three to five years because I need to link my Spotify up to my 
seven inch LCD screen. That's not on the mud flap. It's in the <laughs> middle of my dashboard and directing me exactly where to go. Um, so if that that's included, I could see it moving away from ownership. What you're talking about too, is where it's, you don't even have a car period. Uh, I mean, it's, it's, I think that yeah. they would include leasing and owning as the, as the same, right. thing. It really right. is the idea that you don't have a vehicle that is yours exclusively to use. I think in the bigger cities, that makes sense. In the bigger um, metropolitan areas in our country, that makes sense. But, you know, in the good old Midwest, I don't know if that's going to work. I need to get to work. I need to get a, I need to get in a car in my garage and get to work at a certain time. And if my Lyft rider is late, I, I, I could be in trouble there. So uh, I don't know. I, I, I could see it trending that way. But maybe when we're dead and gone, it, it goes that route. It seems so weird to think about that because... I think about what it was like when I turned 16 and wanted that car because most of my friends were 50 minutes or more away. And that's how we stayed connected. That's not how people this age and this era stay connected. You don't need to drive yourself somewhere. And even like, you know, younger cousins, nieces, nephews, they don't even care about getting a license where that was like the only benchmark I had at like, like, I have to get this thing. I have to be able to drive. I need to hit the road. So I can understand it, that it's just not the same priority even right now. But I think about like my child, like I have no idea if they'll ever want to drive or, you know, like, especially in a, in a community that's this small where I'm at now that you don't really need to, I guess, or they don't need to, to hang out or to be social anymore. You don't have to go someplace to do that. That's a that's a tough question just because our as we get older, our perspective changes so drastically. And what was so important to us is so not a priority to kids that are 15, 16, 17, 18 now. Uh it's it's a tough question, but I, I don't think the ownership act is important at all to this generation or the generation after, especially like like my kids. I don't know. I'm just like what beater am I gonna give them when they turn 16? You know, it's not it's gonna be like a 2012. Civic? I have no idea, uh, but I'm sure I'll find out, God willing. But I just don't think they want it. The notion that the motivation to get the license at 16 has gone away is is like 100% true. I, I don't think any of my kids got their driver's license until they were in like their nine, maybe 19 or 20, maybe in their 20s when they got their license. Wow. It just never, and like we pushed it because Tammy and I think both felt exactly the same way that like Chuck was saying, like that was your 16 years old, man. That is the first taste of freedom you get. You needed to get to see your friends. It's one of those strange things that I think the cell phone has impacted cars in that way. That number one, you don't need a car to hang out with your friends. You've got them all right on your phone, you know, through social media or through texting or through calling or whatever. They're all right there. You don't. There's not the need to be in the same room with those people, maybe that there was when we were kids. I think the other thing is, is that kids are so used to being on their phones in the car and they like having their, they like using their devices in those times and they don't want to give up using the device to drive. There's some studies that like in, especially in like urban areas where kids are much more likely to just want to stick with public transportation and like cities are starting to starting to change to add more public transportation options because the kids don't want to drive because they don't want to lose that time on their phone. Uh, and it's just, a, it's a weird thing. It's how, how like technology has brought us all like closer together is eliminating the need to, to own a car and to drive a car and to, and to be able to travel like that because 
um, when we were that age, that was the only way we were getting to see each other. That was the only way we were hanging out. We're, I wasn't calling Phil on like a Tuesday night to talk to him on the phone for two hours. That would have been weird. <laughs> yeah. you know. Like, like we would much <laughs> rather drive and meet each other someplace and, and, you know, go hang out. You know, there's been a lot of these kind of studies about like millennials and Gen Z and how their, their consumption is going to be so much different than the generations that came before in things like cars and homes, especially. And they're already starting to see that kind of like normalize. Like they're starting to get into the housing market more now and they're starting to get into the auto market more now. And so maybe it's all going to kind of even out in the end. But for right now, I, I don't know. My own experience with my kids, um, they are not that driven, no pun intended, um, yeah. to, to, to get a car, <laughs> to get a car. You know, Yeah, it was a good one. And it really wasn't intended. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens. It certainly is a an interesting change in the world that we grew up in where, where cars were so important, but fellas, we are out of time. I am out of questions for now. And we just did the whole show without mentioning that Dolly Parton, Belinda Carlisle, Cindy Lauper, Debbie Harry, and Gloria Estefan released a new song for the 80 for Brady soundtrack last week with that news about the soundtrack for the first ever straight to nursing home movie release. I hope you guys have a great week and let's get together and do this again real soon. Absolutely. So what was the biggest storyline? <clears throat> Sorry. That's what it used to say. I changed it to make it make more sense. So, uh, Purdy has not been in any NFL playoff games except for today's. Um, or maybe the last week, too. I don't know. Last week, anyway. yeah, he played last week. Uh, <laughs> so, 2 <and> 0. <laughs> uh, most appealing job and that division. What division? Who's in their division? You know, Texans. With the Texans? That, what, yeah, what's that division? The Colts and the, right? Is it the yeah. AFC South? AFC so South. It's, yeah. it's so, be, so Tennessee, the Colts. That's a good division to be in then. Jacksonville. And yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. What was the favorite thing about your first car? Or I'm sorry. <laughs> what was your favorite thing? Going back to the Cavs real quick, uh, and and even if they are a playing team, don't this team needs to get a full playoff series under their belt, right? Like this year, no matter what, even oh, yeah. if they're a playing team, yeah. like you you got to yeah. get into a five or seven game series. That's yeah. what that's yeah. the growth we need out of these guys. Yeah, I I think you look at this yeah. season, um, and it's so tough to do. We 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 caught ourselves doing this a bunch during the Guardian season too. I mean, when you yeah. come on this show and you look back at one week at a time it's really easy to overreact about you know like things that are going wrong and stuff like that and feel like in those short like one week two week three week periods that like oh man this isn't going that well they're probably just fine you know they 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 went one and two against three really good teams while their best player was injured all right how, how are we getting so upset about that I think if they can win a playoff series, I think you consider this 
this season a resounding success no matter what. Mm-hmm. Get to this. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be a playing team. I think they're going to finish in the in the top six. Get to um, winning that first round playoff series. Um, yep. Although I don't know if they if they end up six, will they then? They don't have to play the Celtics, do they? No. No, one of the playing teams would play the Celtics, right? So they would end up playing like they, like they the Sixers would. or something like that, right? Yeah. They play Six the three seed. Six would play three. Yeah, three. exactly. Yeah. 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 So maybe maybe it's a success if they if they just play tough in that first series. Maybe it's a little <laughs> bit much to ask them to, to beat the three seed. We'll have to yeah. see. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> So I said our perspective just so different. Like I needed the car to go work at Chagrin Cinema. I needed to go yeah. to school. I yeah. needed to yeah. go to practice. I needed to hang out with everyone. I remember when Not I anymore. turned 16, like the, the whole idea was I was getting my license because I immediately got a job. I immediately got a job yeah. at LaMalfa. I needed a car because no one was picking me up at work at 2.30 in the morning, you know? Um, yeah. So I got a car and I told my mom, like, I'm going to get my license so I can work and I want to start dating. <laughs> she didn't, she's like, okay, let's start with the job. I'm like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was what it was all about, man. Yeah. It was that freedom that, yeah. And, and, and our situation too, where man, just to drive to see you guys at like the chagrin cinema, right. I mean, that's a 30 minute plus drive for me where I yeah. was living. Yeah. Like I gotta, I gotta be able to do that. And like, yeah. I mean, between, we couldn't have, between Menor and Solon, we couldn't have picked a further, you know, like, all right, yeah, yeah. I, I got to drive out to Chuck's. I know. Yeah, yeah. No shit. Like that, you couldn't be further <laughs> away and still be in the, in the Cleveland area. But um, yeah, it's just. Well, what about when he moved to North Royalton? Wasn't that even further away? No, technically, technically that was quicker. That was technically yeah, quicker because it was mostly highway. freeway. It was all highway. highways yeah, the whole way. Huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. And that was after high school. But yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was still high school, right? North Royalton. Mm-hmm. Oh uh, no! Early college. Yeah, Early college. yeah. Because we, oh. we had that awesome blowout New Year's Eve party at that house. In yeah, yeah in, in North Royalton, we were in well, college never, then. But we I'll also had the get together at the Solon house when it was almost empty. Oh yeah, when we were when oh, we yeah. were leaving. Yeah, yeah. Man. I'll never forget the. Uh, well, speaking of cars, like there was a there was a car story at Chuck's house in Solon, where. It was a frigid morning. I don't know where you and I had to be, Chuck. Maybe yeah. baseball practice or something. Probably. And my my shitty cars. I had two shitty cars in in high school. The the Amul and then the car from Strike a Pose. Yeah. But, um, the uh, it was dead. It was dead to rights. And Chuck did the sign across over the over the fucking hood, and it started right up. It was a miracle, <laughs> and I think we're all eligible for sainthood. It the was Lord amazing. provides, man. Yeah, I was like, holy shit. So we're going to Austin in middle of February to see Springsteen and our flight leaves so early in the morning and the airport's like an hour and a half away from here. So I'm like, Hey, let's, let's get a room down in Grand Rapids the night before it's Valentine's day. Like we'll have yeah. like a nice dinner. And then, um, so I book everything and Friday afternoon I'm here working and a notification pops up saying, Hey, you can check into your room in Grand Rapids. I'm oh like, no, it's oh, weird. We're not going for a month. <laughs> <laughs> accidentally booked it for saturday night instead of february 14th uh, <laughs> uh, so i called tammy i'm like listen it's we're less than 24 hours away like if we cancel it we're gonna have to eat something we might as well just like use the room so she's like yeah that sounds great so we went down to grand rapids last night and 
went out to dinner and the little bar hopping down there. And then um, Tuesday, the adoption of our granddaughter gets finalized oh, at yeah. the court here in, in Mason but, County. Wow, and yeah. so the dads rolled into town today and we're like, Hey, we're going to the bar at like three o'clock. Do you guys want to, you guys want to join us? And we're like, we're not going to say no, we get to see yeah, the baby. Right we get to see them and stuff like that. So then we drank this afternoon. And so now, like at this point, like yep. the Bud Light is medicinal. It's just trying to keep me alive. <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know? <laughs> keep you level, right? Yeah. Yep. Exactly. yeah. <clears throat> I was feeling pretty low energy at about 815 tonight. I'm like, oh God, I got to yep. get up for this show. I did that a, a couple of years ago, but long before Chip. We, I don't know if we were going to Ocean City, maybe. And I had booked like some hotel i think through like groupon so this has got to be years ago because who uses groupon is anymore? groupon still a thing yeah right <laughs> and we did the same thing like drove kind of like halfway and got a hotel room and um i was kind of looking at it, i'm like i don't remember what like check it let's say it was supposed to be monday but the dates weren't right it, i was like isn't oh, monday no. like the 26th why is this saying that i had booked it for the next year <laughs> oh no <laughs> so um ended up we're gonna stay in this hotel for a long time uh, found found another place that was just as good but yeah i I felt like part of me just died when i realized how i fucked up so bad but it worked out all right 12 17 new new record record. yes we did it baby we're getting better (laughs) it's my fault i want to go to bed (laughs) no you're all right man (laughs) all right boys boys. great job tonight thanks all right have a good one love you love you guys what do you mean i'm funny Funny like a clown? You didn't use you?